You are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's readings, do so on Facebook at the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group page, and there you'll be able to share your thoughts and insights with others who are listening and following along. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example in holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 272. We are reading from Volume 3, Book 6, Chapter 29, Paragraphs 798-809. to Chapter 29. Christ our Redeemer ascends into heaven, followed by all the saints in his company. He assumes with him his Most Holy Mother, and puts her in possession of glory. 798. The most auspicious hour in which the only begotten of the Eternal Father, after descending from heaven... In order to assume human flesh was to ascend by his own power, in a most wonderful manner, to the right hand of God, the inheritor of his eternities, one and equal with him in nature and infinite glory. He was to ascend also because he had previously descended to the lowest regions of the earth, as the Apostle says. Having fulfilled all that had been written and prophesied concerning his coming into the world, his life, death, and the redemption of man— And having penetrated as the Lord of all to the very center of the earth, by his ascension he sealed all the mysteries and hastened to the fulfillment of his promise, according to which he was with the Father, to send the paraclete upon the church after he himself should have ascended into heaven. John 16.7 In order to celebrate this festive and mysterious day, Christ our Lord selected as witness the hundred and twenty persons, to whom, as related in the foregoing chapter, he had spoken in the Senecal. They were the Most Holy Mary, the eleven apostles, the seventy-two disciples, Mary Magdalene, Lazarus, their brother, the other Marys, and the faithful men and women making up the above-mentioned number of one hundred and twenty. 799. With this little flock, our divine shepherd Jesus left the Senecal, and with his most blessed mother at his side, He conducted them all through the streets of Jerusalem. The apostles and all the rest in their order proceeded in the direction of Bethany, which was less than half a league over the brow of Mount Olivet. The company of angels and saints from limbo and purgatory followed the victor with new songs of praise, although Mary alone was privileged to see them. The resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth was already divulged throughout Jerusalem and Palestine. Although the perfidious and malicious princes and priests had spread about the false testimony of his being stolen by the disciples, yet many would not accept their testimony nor give it any credit. It was divinely provided that none of the inhabitants of the city, 
and none of the unbelievers or doubters should pay any attention to this holy procession or hinder it on its way from the cenacle. All except the 120 just, who were chosen by the Lord to witness his ascension to heaven, were justly punished by being prevented from noticing this wonderful mystery, and the chieftain and head of this procession remained invisible to them. 800. The Lord having thus secured them this privacy, they all ascended Mount Olivet to its highest point. There they formed three choirs, one of the angels, another of the saints, and a third of the apostles, and faithful, which again divide into two bands, while Christ the Savior presided. Then the most prudent mother prostrated herself at the feet of her son, and worshipping him with admirable humility, she adored him as the true God and as the Redeemer of the world, asking his last blessing. All the faithful there present imitated her, and did the same. Weeping and sighing, they asked the Lord whether he was now to restore the kingdom of Israel. Acts one six. The Lord answered that this was a secret of the Eternal Father and not to be made known to them, but for the present it was necessary and befitting that they receive the Holy Ghost and preach in Jerusalem and Samaria and in all the world the mysteries of the redemption of the world. 8.01 Jesus, having taken leave of this holy and fortunate gathering of the faithful, his countenance beaming forth peace and majesty, joined his hands and by his own power began to raise himself from the earth leaving thereon the impression of his sacred feet. In gentlest motion he was wafted toward the aerial regions, drawing after him the eyes and the hearts of those firstborn children, who amid sighs and tears vented their affection. And as at the moving of the first cause of all motion, it is proper that also the nether spheres should be set in motion. So the Savior Jesus drew after him after the celestial choirs of the angels, the holy patriarchs, and the rest of the glorified saints, some of them with body and soul, others only as to their soul. All of them in heavenly order were raised up together from the earth, accompanying and following their king, their chief, and head. The new and mysterious sacrament, which the right hand of the Most High wrought on the occasion for his Most Holy Mother, was that he raised her up with him in order to put her in possession of the glory, which he had assigned to her as his true mother, and which she had by her marriage prepared and earned for herself. Of this favor the great queen was capable even before it happened, for her divine son had offered it to her during the forty days which he spent in her company after his resurrection. In order that this sacrament might be kept secret from all the other living creatures at that time, and in order that the heavenly mistress might be present in the gathering of the apostles and the faithful in their prayerful waiting upon the coming of the Holy Ghost. Acts one fourteen, The divine power enabled the Blessed Mother miraculously to be in two places at once, remaining with the children of the church for their comfort during their stay in the cenacle, at the same time ascending with the Redeemer of the world to his heavenly throne, where she remained for three days. There she enjoyed the perfect use of her powers and faculties, whereas she was more restricted in the use of them during that time in the cenacle. 802. The Most Blessed Lady was raised up with her divine Son and placed at the right hand in the fulfillment of what David said. The Queen was at his right hand in vestments, gilded by the splendors of his glory and surrounded by the variety of his gifts and graces in the sight of the ascending angels and saints. Psalm 44.10 In order that this astounding mystery may excite the devotion and enliven the faith of the faithful, that it may draw them to magnify the author of all his extraordinary and inconceivable miracle. 
I again inform those who read of it, that from the time in which the Most High commissioned me, and afterward repeatedly through many years expressly commanded me to write this history, he has revealed to me many diverse mysteries and great sacraments, both already written and yet to be written. For the exalted nature of this history demanded such a preparation and predisposition, I have not received all the revelations at once. For the limitation of a creature is not capable of such abundance. But in order that I might be enabled to write, new enlightenment was given me for each mystery in particular. The enlightenments concerning each were usually given to me on the feast of Christ our Lord and of the Heavenly Lady, especially the great sacrament of Mary's being raised to heaven with her divine Son at his ascension, and of her remaining at the same time in the cenacle, in a wonderful manner, was shown to me in several consecutive years on that feast day. 803. When the divine truth is known and contemplated in God himself, in whom there is all light without mixture of darkness, and where as well as the object as its cause is evident, it creates a certainty without a touch of doubt. 1 John 1 5. But those who hear these mysteries told by others must excite their piety in order to ask for belief in what is obscure. On this account, I would feel a hesitation in writing of the hidden sacrament of the celestial visit of our Queen. If the omission of such a great and important wonder and prerogative were not so serious a defect in this history. This hesitation occurred to me when I was made aware of this mystery for the first time. But now, after I have already related in the first part, that the child Mary at its birth was elevated to the Empyrean heavens, and in the second part that she was twice thus elevated during the nine days of preparation for the incarnation of the Divine Word. If the divine power conferred such admirable favors on the Blessed Virgin before she became the Mother of God, in preparation for this dignity, it is much more credible that he should repeat it after she had been consecrated by bearing him in her virginal womb, after giving him human form from her own purest blood, after nursing him at her breasts and raising him as a true son, after serving him for thirty-three years, following him and imitating him in his life, in his passion and death, with a fidelity inexpressible to human tongue. 804. In the investigation of these mysteries and special favors of the Blessed Mother, the reason why the Mosai operated them is quite a different thing from the cause of their being kept secret for so many centuries in the Church. In inquiring into the first, we must be guided by our knowledge of the divine power and of the love of God for his Mother, as well as by our knowledge of his desires of raising her to a dignity above all creatures. As men in their mortal flesh can never perfectly know the dignity of that mother, nor her love, nor the love of her son, or of the blessed Trinity, nor the merits and holiness conferred upon her by the Almighty, their ignorance tends to set limits to the divine power in its operations. God did for her all he could, and that was as much as he wished." But he communicated himself to her in such a special manner as to become her son of her substance. Hence it necessarily follows that in the order of grace he dealt with her in an extraordinary manner, and as befitted no one else, not even the whole human race. Hence to her were due not only extraordinary favors, benefits, and blessings of the Almighty, but the rule of judging about them must be that, after his own most holy humanity, nothing that could in any manner redound to her glory and holiness was denied her. 805. But in regard to the revelation of these wonders in his church, the high providence of God, which governs it and procures new splendors for it, 
according to the circumstances of the times, is guided by other reasons. For the happy day of grace which dawned upon the world in the incarnation of the word and in the redemption of man has its morning and its noontide as also its eventide, and all this the divine wisdom disposes when and how it becomes opportune. Although all the mysteries of Christ and his mother are revealed in the holy scriptures, yet not all of them are manifested at the same time. But little by little the Lord withdraws the veils of figures, metaphors, and enigmas, under which many of the sacraments having been hidden, like the rays of the sun under a passing cloud, they were covered and concealed until some of the many rays of divine light should fall upon men. Since even the angels, although they were made aware of the Incarnation in a general way, as being the end of all their ministry to man, were not informed of all the conditions, effects, and circumstances of this mystery. They gradually came to know many of them during the 5,200 years in the creation to the Incarnation. This acquisition of new knowledge gave occasion for continued admiration and renewed praise and glory to the author of these mysteries, as I have shown in the whole course of this history. I mention this example in answer to any wonder which might be caused in those that hear of this mysterious exaltation of the Most Blessed Mary, which, with many others already described and to be described, was hidden until the Most High was willing to make them manifest. 806. Before I was capable of these reasonings, and when I first came to know of this mystery of Christ, having taken his Blessed Mother to heaven with him, I was not a little astounded not only on my own account, but on account of those who should hear it. Among other things which I then heard the Lord tell me was that I should remember what St. Paul has left recorded of himself in the church when he refers to his rapture into the third heaven, which is that of the blessed, and how he was in doubt whether he was taken up in body or out of the body, daring to affirm neither one or the other, but supposing that it could have happened in either manner. This at once cleared up my difficulties, for if such a thing as being taken bodily to heaven could happen to the apostle in the beginning of his conversion, and when he had no merits but only sins to his credit, and if the concession of such a privilege entailed no danger or inconvenience to God's church, how can anyone doubt that the Lord showed the same favor to his mother, especially after her attaining to such ineffable merit and holiness? The Lord also added that if some of the saints who rose in their body with the resurrected Christ were privileged to ascend in their body with the Savior, surely there was a better reason for showing this favor to this purest mother. Even if none of the mortals ever should have enjoyed this distinction, it was due to the most blessed Mary, because she had suffered with the Lord. It was reasonable that she should share with him his triumph and glory in taking possession of it at the right hand of the Most High since she, as his mother, had from her own substance given him his human nature, in which he now triumphantly ascended into heaven. And just as it was befitting that she should not be separated from her son in glory, so it was also due to her that none of the human race should come body and soul to the enjoyment of eternal glory before most blessed Mary, not even accepted her mother or father or her spouse Joseph or any of the rest." All of them, and the Savior himself, her son Jesus, would have been deprived of this accidental increase of their joy. If the most blessed Mary is the mother of the Redeemer, and as the queen of all creation, who merited such a favor and blessing, more than all the rest had not ascended with them into heaven on that day. 807. 
These arguments seem to me sufficient to establish the knowledge and excite the pious joy and consolation of this mystery, and of others to be mentioned the third part in the further history of the life of Mary. Returning now to my history, I say that the Lord took with him his blessed mother and his ascension into heaven, and amid incredible rejoicing and admiration, filled her with splendor and glory in the sight of the angels and saints. It was also very appropriate that the apostles and the other faithful for the time being should be ignorant of this mystery. For if they had seen their mother and mistress ascend with Christ, their affliction would have been beyond all bounds and without recourse or relief. Nothing could ever console them for the departure of Christ more fully than to feel that they had still with them the most blessed mother and kindest mother. Even then their sighs and sobbing and their tears welled up before their inmost hearts when they saw their beloved Master and Redeemer disappearing through the aerial regions. And when they had almost lost sight of him, a most resplendent cloud interposed itself between him and those he had left upon earth, intercepting him altogether from the view. In it, the person of the Eternal Father descended from heaven to the regions of the air, in order to meet the Son and the Mother, who had furnished the new mode of existence to which he now returned, Coming to them, the Eternal Father received them in his embrace and infinite love to the joy of angels, who had accompanied the Father in innumerable choirs from this heavenly seat. In a short space of time, penetrating the elements and the celestial orbs, that whole divine procession arrived at the supreme regions of the Empyrean. At their entrance, the angels who had ascended from the earth with their sovereigns, Jesus and Mary, and those who had joined them in their aerial regions spoke to those who had remained in the heavenly heights, and repeated those words of David and many others referring to his mystery, saying, 808, Open ye, princes, open your gates eternal, let them be raised and opened up, and receive into his dwelling the great King of glory, the Lord of virtues, the powerful in battle, the strong and invincible, who comes triumphant and victorious over all his enemies. Open the gates of the heavenly paradise and let them remain open and free forever. Since the new Adam is coming, the repairer of the whole human race, rich in mercy, overflowing with the merits of his copious redemption, wrought by his death in the world. He has restored our loss and has raised human nature to the supreme dignity of his own immensity. He comes with the reign of the elect and the redeemed, given to him by his eternal Father. Now his liberal mercy has given to mortals the power of regaining injustice, the right lost by their sin, to merit by the observance of his law, as his brothers and co-inheritors of the goods of his Father eternal life, and for his greater glory and to our greater rejoicing. He brings with him and at his side the mother of piety, who gave him the form of man for overcoming the demon. She comes as our charming and beautiful queen, delighting all that behold her. Come forth, come forth, ye heavenly courtiers, and you shall see our most beautiful king with the crown given to him by his mother, and his mother crowned with the glory conferred upon her by her son. 809. Amidst this jubilee and other rejoicings, exceeding all our conceptions, that new divinely arranged procession approached the Empyrean heavens, between the two choirs of angels and saints, Christ and his most blessed mother made their entry all in their order, gave supreme honor to each, respectively, and to both, together, breaking forth in hymns of praise, in honor of the authors of grace and of life. Then the Eternal Father placed upon the throne of his divinity at his right hand the incarnate word, and in such glory and majesty that he filled with new admiration and reverential fear 
all the inhabitants of heaven. In clear and intuitive vision, they recognize the infinite glory and perfection of the divinity, inseparably and substantially united in one personality, to the most holy humanity, beautified and exalted by the preeminence and glory due to this union, such as eyes have not seen nor ears heard, nor ever has entered into the thoughts of creatures. Isaiah 54.4 This concludes our reading today for day number 272. We have been reading from Volume 3, Book 6, Chapter 29, Paragraphs 798 to 809. What we hear in today's reading is something that's rather new for me to consider, that when Jesus ascended, that he also allowed Mary to go to heaven as well. I'm assuming that that visit of Our Lady is only momentary, that of course she comes back to earth, but maybe there's this divine pleasure in that Mary, as the mother of God, will be able to, anytime she wants, to see heaven. But imagine having the sight of the beatific vision, being in heaven, seeing your son, going with him, and then having to leave. You've seen pure joy, and now you come back to earth. I know that some of those who have seen heaven, that they've said that it was a great sadness to return to earth. But Maria Vagrida, in relating this account to us, quotes St. Paul, who says that someone, we believe him, was caught up into the other world, into heaven. And, you know, he doesn't know how it happened, but it just did. We know that all things are possible for God, and so God can allow this to happen. And certainly he must have done that, according to Maria Vagrida, allowing Mary to see heaven. Quite interestingly, the great concern for the apostles that Maria Vagrida brings out, saying that, If they would have known Mary also went up with Jesus, there would have been great sadness. Nothing could ever console them for the departure of Christ more fully than to feel that they still had with them their most blessed lady and kindest mother. Mary is to remain with the church, to console the church. And this action of being in heaven consoles her heart and fills her with great waiting and expectation For the next time she sees her son there, when she has assumed body and soul. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the Mystical City of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.